0: How are we all this morning? Good, that's the way. Uh, Very good, couple of things, self-organized. Starting a new series this morning, who knows what the series is called? Stories He Told, told. must be on the screen behind me. (laughs) Very clever, I'm excited about that um, that series and we'll get into it in a minute. Just need to let you know that next weekend... um, The Lotties are away, we're on a road trip. We will be at Narrabri and Tamworth next Sunday preaching. So Narrabri in the morning, Tamworth. Anyone want to come, you're more than welcome. It's just a short drive up the road. And uh, Saturday night in Narrabri, staying at the pub. Last year, do you remember that last year, Loz? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a artist, let's call him that, playing some tunes. Down in the pub, coming up towards the apartment where we're staying, and it didn't matter what song he sung, whether it be a top 40 hit, whether it be a classic from 40 years ago, whether it be a country song, they all sounded that same <laughs> country twang, which was just amazing. It was an incredible talent how he could turn any song into this one same tune and one same voice. So um, I hope he's there again this Saturday night. <laughs> Looking, f- yeah, we're staying at the pub. The other place, the other place was booked, so. Take up your cross, Loz. <laughs> it's good for us. So, um, we'll be there next week, and um, Jason will be continuing the series, Stories He Told. So this morning we start the series. Um, it's four weeks. We're looking at parables that Jesus told. And obviously in four weeks we're not going to ca- cover every parable that Jesus told. But we're going to be looking at them, and um, my plan for today is this, is I want to spend the first little bit of time just talking to you about parables in general, and and how God speaks to us through parables, and what Jesus' intention was, and then I'm going to share with you um, a parable in the second half of this morning. So let's get into it. A parable is literally something that is cast alongside something else. Jesus' parables were stories that were cast alongside a truth in order to illustrate that truth. His parables were teaching aids and can be thought of as an extended analogy or an inspired comparison. So a common description of a parable is that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he would tell people stuff that they got, people that they, stuff that they um, could relate to, to explain something that they might not have understood or might not have, have got. And in, in Matthew chapter 13, which we're going to spend most of our time in today, In verses 10 to 16, Jesus tells the disciples why he spoke in parables. It says this, verse 10, His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Verse 14, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and because your ears, because they hear. So the disciples ask him, go, why the parables? And it sounds like he's saying, because I want to confuse you, doesn't it? Because I want to make it difficult for you. That's what it could appear like. But Jesus was trying to explain the kingdom of heaven. And you've got to understand that with most of the parables, when Jesus is trying to explain the kingdom of heaven, he's trying to explain to them a totally foreign concept. He's trying to explain to them something that's so far removed from their thinking that they've never heard of it before, they've never grasped it before, they've never even got of it. It'd be like explaining to the Newcastle Knights what a win looks like. <laughs> just a foreign concept completely. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. It was just different to anything they had heard before. It was, it was from another world, if you like. It was different. And T.D. Jake says this, that Jesus would use something the people understood to explain something that they did not understand. And it was obvious that the disciples, that the people that listened to Jesus, a lot of them struggled with the understanding of what he was saying because it was just so far removed from their thinking. It was so far removed from their their way of life. And so the truths of Jesus were beyond human understanding. They were beyond it. And so Jesus was saying that not everyone is going to get it. Jesus knew that not everyone would get it. In fact, Jesus knew that even though some would hear what he said, they weren't really listening to him. How many of you know that you can hear something without really listening? Have any of you wives tried to talk to your husbands while sport is on or while they are doing something else, working under the car, just preoccupied? Maybe they're looking at their phone, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever it is. Now we've got... Husbands pointing at wives as well, so <laughs> I know it goes both ways. Your kids know this too, don't they? Uh, you, you know, if you're doing something, they come and talk to you. Oh, my kids pull my head up and go, "Dad, look at me," <laughs> so that they get my attention, because I might hear what they're saying, but I'm not listening to what they're saying. And the kids are very good at it as well. So don't think you get away with it if you're a kid, because how many times do we have to tell you to come to the dinner table? Because they might hear it, but they're not listening. They're not listening, it's not, go, it's not registering, it's not going in. So Jesus knew that many people could hear the words that he was speaking, could hear the stories, could hear the parables, but not all of them were actively listening to what they were told. In fact, some of them actually had no desire at all. They, their hearts were hardened and they didn't want to hear. They didn't want to understand, they didn't want to get it. Proverbs 18.2 says this, fools have no interest in understanding so jesus was speaking to people that one some weren't even listening they were listening but they weren't really listening and some were listening but they had no desire to understand they had no desire to take it in to their heart and that's what he was up against and so jesus told parables for the ones who wanted to understand parables were told for the ones who were leaning in Parables were told for the ones who had a desire to not only hear what was said, but also to understand what was said. Verse 12 says this, To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. The parables were basically for the leaner innerers. That's a word, it's in the Hebrew, you can look it up. My prayer this morning and my prayer for this series is that we would be leaner innerers. That we would be people that would lean in, with our ears, we would want to understand whether we've heard every parable taught before or not, we would be people that would lean in and we would want to not only hear what is being said, but we would want to understand what was being said. We would not only want to hear and understand, we would also want to go, how does this apply to my life? How is this going to be played out in my everyday life? We want to be, I want to be a leaner innerer, and I hope you do too. The disciples were leaner innerers. Did you know that? The disciples were people that wanted to understand. They wanted to understand what Jesus was saying. They would even, if they didn't understand, they would ask for Jesus to explain the parable. And you know, sometimes we can think, why are they, they going to ask? Why didn't they get it? You know, the attitude of the disciples is actually a pretty good attitude. If you don't understand, ask. If you don't get something, ask for it to be explained. If you're in a classroom and you're, and you're being taught something you're being, and you don't get it, It's crazy to walk out of that classroom and just think, oh, well, no one else probably got it either. Ask the question. The disciples, if they didn't get something, were prepared to stop and ask. For you as a leaner innerer, if you don't get something, ask God to reveal it to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask and you will receive the understanding. So the disciples were leaner innerers. But guess what? Even though they were leaner innerers, even though they had a desire to understand, they still did not get it. They just, sometimes we just went over their head. They couldn't understand. They still struggled. And I was thinking about that this week and go, why would, they, why would they struggle so much? Think about it. They spent a lot of time with Jesus. They heard every one of his messages. They got up close time with him, but yet they still sometimes fully didn't get it. And I reckon, I think I know why. I want to turn to Luke 24. It's a little account where Jesus um. Is speaking with his disciples after he has um, resur- resurrected from the dead. He's rose from the dead. He's about to go to heaven to spend eternity. Like he's reappearing to his disciples. He's about to tell them all the stuff that he needs to tell them. But in verse 44 of Luke 24, it says this When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled. Listen to verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand. Up until this point, the disciples thought they got it, but really they hadn't. Really, there was so much that they missed. But it was in this moment when they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ, when Jesus opened their minds, that they really understood it's kind of like the light went on where all of a sudden everything that jesus had said to them every story that he had told them every scripture that he had quoted every prophecy that he said he had been fulfilled it wasn't till they were in that moment then then the light went on and it says that their hearts were opened so that they could understand they were open so they could understand and and my point is this they saw the resurrected jesus they saw the from the beginning to the end they, they they got it And in seeing and having a revelation of Jesus risen from the dead, they were able to get an understanding that was beyond them previously, that was beyond their thinking before then. But then even further, it goes on in verse 49. He says this, And now I will send you the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised would have been referred to. John 16 verse 12, There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. See, Jesus knew that there was a level of understanding that was only going to be possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that there were some things that the disciples were not going to get until they received the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But when they received the empowering of the Holy Spirit, then they would be able to be led into all truths. Do you know what he said there? He says, there are some things I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. In other words, you, you can't, it won't go in. Your, your brain will not be able to comprehend the truth that I'm teaching to you without the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, all things can be revealed to you. With the Holy Spirit, they could be guided into truth. And it says, all truth. So there was nothing now. For the disciples, there was nothing in the kingdom of God that was beyond their understanding now because they had the Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them into all truth. Where does that leave you and I today as we read the stories that Jesus told? As we as a church head into a series looking at the parables of Jesus? Where does it leave you and I? D.L. Moody said this, The Bible without the Holy Spirit is a sundial by moonlight. Because we can read this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And there will be some truth there. Do you know that people take this book, put it into self-help things, charge $10,000 a day, and people pay to go hear it? Because they take the truth and the wisdom from this book. But they don't have the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them. So there is truth here. But with the Holy Spirit's empowering, it becomes alive. In the New Testament, it refers to it as a two-edged sword. So it's able to pierce into our heart and into our spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit. This morning, Real Life Church, I believe that with a desire to understand, i.e. the ears to hear, the leaner, innerer attitude, with a revelation that Jesus has rose from the dead and death could not defeat him, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, what is stopping us from understanding the truths of heaven? What is stopping us from being, having revelation dropped into our spirit from God? Nothing. There is nothing stopping us from understanding and having the, the truth of heaven revealed to us. We've got those things. The first thing is up to you. The second thing, Jesus has risen from the dead. The third thing, He has promised the Holy Spirit. But it's available to you and I. My prayer is for this series that we would receive what Jesus wants to speak to us. That we would be ready that we would let the Holy Spirit shine on the truth and lead us into all truth and all glory. Is that okay? That was my introduction into this series. Now I'm going to speak the parable that I wanted to share today. Don't worry, I won't won't go long. But remember, all these parables, you've got those things with you to help you to understand. The parable I want to talk to you about this morning is found in Matthew 13. It is about the wheat and the weeds. Some say the wheat and the tares. I've called my message this morning, keep the weed. And it doesn't mean what it meant in year seven with my questionable mates up on the hill. (laughs) I will go no further with that. Matthew 13, let's read it, verse 24. Here is another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? they asked no he replied you'll uproot the wheat if you do let both grow together until the harvest then i will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat into the barn so that's the story he told he then goes on to tell two other stories and then as was the pattern the disciples came to him and said hey please explain we don't understand the first one can you break it down for us and tell us what it means because we didn't get it again and so in verse 37 jesus replies the meaning he says this the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed the field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one the enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil the harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's what we want to do now. We want to listen and we want to understand. There's lots you could say in this parable um it was interesting i was preparing it to preach on it and then in the car on the way up here one day this week i was listening to td jakes and he preached on this exact same parable i thought i might just copy and paste (laughs) but no i didn't do that i thought no, i'm going to go there's there's a lot of truth in there and he was was bringing out truths from it like he does but um the thing that i was probably the most concerned about or the most thought about with this was the fact that the good and the bad seeds are both allowed to grow together. They're both allowed to grow to full health. They both get watered. They both use up the good soil. They both are treated exactly the same. And there's a part of me that thinks that's pretty unfair. There's a part of me that thinks that's not right. In the end, I know that they are separated and they are divided and one gets, it doesn't turn out good for the weeds And it it turns out good for the wheat. But there's a fair bit of life that happens between the weeds being exposed and the weeds being dealt with, isn't there? And it's that tension that we all live in. It's that tension where we live in, in, it's called life. Where people that do wrong have good things happen to them. And it can be annoying, to say the least. I don't know if anyone else thinks this way thinking like I do, you know, comparing, go, God, I serve you, I give, I tithe, I go to church, I don't swear very much, I don't speed very much, (laughs) guilty this morning. Where is my reward? Why are they getting away with it? Why are they not being brought to punishment like they deserve? You know, the reality is we all have weeds in our life. Just look around you this morning and see if... No, don't, don't, don't do that. Maybe just ask the question, am I the weed? No, don't say that either. Weed, not we. If you need to wee, toilets toilet's over there. The thing is this, that the weeds and the wheat are treated exactly the same. And, and that can be a tension for all of us. That can be a tension where we want the people that do wrong to be brought to punishment, and to be brought to justice. And we want to be left alone to live our happily little bubble life, don't we? Uh, I love Psalm 49 verse 16. It says this, So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and their homes become ever more, even, ever more splendid. For when they die, they take nothing with them. Their wealth will not follow them into the grave. In this life, they consider themselves fortunate and are applauded for their successes. But they will die like all before them and never again see the light of day. People who boast of their wealth don't understand. They will die just like the animals. It's a nice encouraging thought for us this morning, isn't it? The, the NIV says don't be overawed. Don't be overawed when you see weeds do well. Don't be overawed when you see people that don't live for Jesus succeed in life. It says don't be overawed by it. Don't be dismayed by it. Um, don't be shocked by it. It's a part of life. It's a part of life that the the sun shines on the good and the bad. The rain falls on the good and the evil. And it's a part of life, it's it's for us to learn how to live in that tension. It's for us to learn how to live in that place where we see people do well when we think, hey, they probably don't deserve it. It is a little bit um, of a self-righteous point of view to think that they don't deserve it and you do. Because the reality is if we got what we deserved, we won't go there. When this story tells of the wheats and the weeds, have you ever wondered, and, and this is really my question this morning, I want to look at why does God allow the weeds and the wheat to grow together? Why does He allow them to grow together? In such close proximity, think about it, that you can't pull out one without pulling out the other. They are close. They are really close. My first point this morning is this. This is one of the reasons why I think God lets it happen. One is it makes us stronger it makes the wheat stronger. Do you know that problems, obstacles, difficult people are actually good for you? Did you know that? Not very many amens this morning with that one. Because if everything is easy, if everything is spoon-fed to you, it does not help you grow, does it? With your children, there's a stage where you do everything for them. But then, hopefully, they grow up and they can start to do some things for themselves. And even though at the beginning it might be difficult, it's actually helping them grow and helping them become stronger. Resistance helps you grow. Resistance helps you mature. Resistance helps you to be who God has called you to be. James 1 verse 2 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy have a party, invite people over, celebrate the fact that you're just having a real bad day. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know that sometimes in life, the the people that um, annoy us the most, the people that rub us up the wrong way the worst, are actually the ones that help us grow the most. Are actually, the ones that help us mature the most. Um, let me, this is to quote God from Evan Almighty, so it's not biblically correct. <laughs> okay? And you're all going to listen to this in a Morgan Freeman voice now that I've put that into your head. But there's some truth in this from Evan Almighty. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage? Or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? So I wish it was the first part. Just that warm zap, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. God didn't design us to be separated or removed from humanity. He placed us where we are, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And he knows that there are some weeds there. He knows that there are people there that are challenging. He knows there are people there that are going to really test whether you're a Christian or not. He knows they're there, but they're there to make you stronger. They're there to make you mature. They're there to make you be the wheat the bible calls us to live in the world but not be of the world the bible doesn't call us to remove ourselves from humanity calls us doesn't call us to live in isolation away from it all in our own little bubbles no it calls us to live amongst the weeds the wheat and the weeds grow together interacting and doing life together and i just want us to this morning just think not of a get-out cause, not of a rescue plan. And I'm not saying if you're in a place of danger to just stay in there and stay in that place. But if there's people in your world and your approach so far to them has been, God, just get them out of my life. Maybe change your perspective and think, no, what, is, what am I meant to learn out of this? What, what is God trying to develop in me through this challenging relationship? Rather than to remove yourself, why don't you think, well, how can I grow through this circumstance and this situation? So I, rec- I reckon the reason God lets the weed and the wheats grow together is to make us grow stronger and to make us grow healthier. And the second reason, I reckon, is for the benefit of others. Have you ever thought of it, that maybe, just maybe, we could be called to be a positive influence on the people around us? Maybe rather than them being a negative influence on us, we could be a positive influence on them? Maybe there's a call for a Christian to do that, to be in the world but not of the world? You know, I think about my... um soccer team that I play for on a Friday night and um, there's, most of them are just, church is the last thing on their radar, they're just far from God, they they swear a lot, they look at things on their phone before the game, they talk about girls in a terrible way, they're just they're weeds and I could go in that and I've got to be careful when I go into that situation that I don't let their influence Rub off on me, but I go into that situation thinking, God, how can I be a positive influence to these guys? And uh, this year we got knocked out in the semi final, so we went and watched the grand final to heckle the team that beat us the week before because that's the kind of team we are. When I'm sitting on the hill and I'm looking down and we're watching the grand final, the teams that made it, then we didn't, and watching it, and halfway through it, and one of the guys, probably the one who I would consider the, the furthest away from God. And he starts to talk to me with the influence of a few beverages just to help him loosen up a little bit. But he starts to talk to me of his life and he tells me that his dad was a minister and he grew up in the Baptist church and he spent the first 15 years of his life of his church and how he was really good at soccer and the church didn't smile upon him playing soccer on Sunday and it sort of just became a wedge for him. Then his dad um, had a, a moral fall and lost his ministry and is away from God. The marriage broke up. Just his story started to come out. And I just remember going, well, I was actually considering not playing for them next year because I thought I'd go play over thirty fives now that I'm a little bit older. But I just felt this little prompt, go, no, stay. You know, I haven't had an opportunity to preach to them. I haven't had an opportunity to invite them to church. But maybe, just maybe, I'm there to be an influence and a help on them. Maybe I'm there just to be that little bit of light in their dark world. Maybe I'm there to let them see what it is. And I'm not perfect by any means, but just to be a positive influence on them rather than them be a negative influence on me. Do you know in the next few verses in Matthew 13, Jesus told two more stories. He said this in verse 31. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Verse 33 He used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast of a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. The story of the mustard seed and the story of the yeast and the flour, they tell me that small things can make a big difference. They tell me that one one wheat growing in a field of weeds can make a difference. Do you know that for a dark room to become light, it only needs a little speck of light? And the room is no longer dark anymore because lightness is there. And you and I are like that. You and I are maybe just in the places we are in, the schools we're in, the families we're in, the neighbourhoods we're in, to be that little bit of difference, to be that light in a dark place, to be an example of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the, the thing you need to know is that God will never put you in a position that is beyond you. He'll never put you in a position that you can't handle where the, the weed takes over. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen in the message No test or temptation or weed, I put that in, that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have told. You didn't know that? You thought it was part of it? You thought it was Eugene Peterson, but it was Lottie. There you go. Beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember, all you need to remember, church, that when you're in a dark place is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Start seeing your world differently. Change that perspective. Go, how can I be a positive influence on those in my world? You might think, why do we need to do this? After all, isn't a weed a weed? Can a weed change into wheat? Can a leopard change its spots, they would say? Naturally speaking, no. If I plant a seed of weed, it's going to grow into a weed. Isn't that right? Yes. But thankfully, Jesus has a solution to it. The solution is called being born again. John 3.3 3 says this, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again is a start over. It's a redo. Where you acknowledge that you want to live your life for Jesus and not just for yourself. Where you acknowledge the things you've done wrong and Jesus gives you the opportunity to start again. He forgives you for those things and he gives you a new life, an eternal life. The truth is that all of us are actually weeds without jesus and it was only when we became reborn when we accepted jesus into our life that we got classified as now being the wheat in this story we changed from weeds to wheat because we accepted jesus into our heart and we became like new it says we started a new life we became new creations in him so we changed. so why is it that we think others can't change we were transformed we were given the grace why is it we think that others are beyond that You know, later as we finish, I'll give you an opportunity, if you're here this morning, to to have that start over, to have that new life, to become a follower of Jesus, the decision that will change your life, the decision that is most important, deciding to be like the wheat and not the weeds. In my message this morning, when I say keep the weed, we have to know that there will come a time where the weed will not be kept any longer. At the end of that story that Jesus told, it says that the the God's angels will gather and separate the weeds from the wheat so there will come a time when the separation happens and it's called the end of the age and the end of life but in this lifetime the weed and the wheat will grow together do you know in the story that Jesus told I'm nearly finished the story of the weeds the actual the word for the word the word for the word the word that he used for for weed weed and wheats are just so close together I'm sorry if I'm getting them mixed up But the word that he used for weed is actually the word darnel. Does anyone know that word? Darnel. And it's a weed that until mature appears as wheat. Can I put the next picture up, please? One side is wheat. The other side is the weed that Jesus was referring to. And they actually look identical right up until it's time for harvest. Right up until it's time for them to be separated, they look the same. So maybe a little bit of the wisdom is going, hey, don't remove them, because one, it's really hard to tell. There can be people that are in church. There can be people that raise their hand, that sing, that do all the motions, but they're far from God. And there can be people that you look at and you think, gee, they don't have a relationship with God at all. And then you'll get to heaven and go, what are you doing here? And they be like, oh, what are you doing here? I heard a a pastor friend of mine tell me that he wasn't a Christian at school and he was at a conference lately and he saw someone at, at this conference and they both looked at each other going, what are you doing here? You're the last person I would expect to see at this Christian place because they both had transformed their life and both had discovered who Jesus was. So my point is this. It's really hard for us to tell the difference. There are people that can fake it. There are people that can appear to be righteous but they're not they don't have that relationship with god so christians i don't think it's our place to be the ones that separate did you notice who it was that separated in the story it was god's angels at the end of time you know human history you read the story of the crusades and the spanish inquisition it doesn't shine a good light on people who have tried to be the separators of weed and wheat does it but god is all-knowing and it's him who we will stand before in heaven one day and give an account for our lives. Keep running, mate. Keep going. You can do it. It's him. The weed and the wheat appear the same. God knows the true state of our heart. Only God knows. Only God sees every heart that repents. Only God knows the ones that have turned to him. You know, people can turn to Jesus in their last breath. We don't know what they've done. Only God knows that heart. At the end of this life, it's God we'll give an account to. It's God who we will be answerable to. That's why, as Christians, I think we just need to change our perspective on the weeds. Stop being the one who wants to separate. Stop being the one who wants to judge. And just go, you know what? I don't know the true state. Only God does. I know this. I can grow out of this experience. And I can be a positive influence to those around me out of this experience. They're things that we can control. Are they not? Can I have the music team come? And I was thinking about it this morning with this story. We could pray and could do a response that God would change our circumstances, and God is a God that can change circumstances or we could pray that God would change our perspective that God would help us to see things the way he sees them that he would give us ears to hear and an understanding heart to see things the way that God sees I've found in my life that when my perspective changes when my thinking changes when my viewpoint changes that's when my circumstances start to change When I sit back and wait for my circumstances to change, I end up getting frustrated and just go, nothing's ever changing. But when I change my perspective, when I look my eyes on Jesus Christ, when I get His perspective, when I get His truth, when I get His understanding, that's when things, I believe, start to turn around. And so this morning, I want us to close our eyes. I'm not going to bring you out the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. What I am going to ask you to do though is to search your life, is to search your heart and to think about those people that might be in your world that are a challenge. People in your world that are, let's call them difficult. You know who they are. You don't need to expose them this morning. But I just want you to ask God to help you get an understanding for that person's life. The way God sees them. See how maybe you could be an influence on them. See how maybe you could grow through that relationship, through that experience. Get a heavenly perspective on the people in your world. And God, that's my prayer this morning. As we stand here before you, God, let us not step into judgment. Let us not step into self-righteousness. Let us be fully aware that God, once we were lost, but now we are found. Once we were away from you, but now we are in relationship with you. God, help us to be a light. Help us to be a light in the dark place. Help us to be an example of what it is to love you and to follow you. Help us to be people that live for you, Jesus. Help us to be people that stand out in the world that we live. Not blend in, but stand out. Because we have you with us. You leading us, you guiding us. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that this morning you would help us to change our perspective. Not so much change our circumstances, but change us, God. Do a work in us. Help us to see the way you see and understand the way you understand. God, I just pray in this moment, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, if there's anyone here, Jesus, who does not know who you are, and the life that you can give, and the difference you can make. God, I just pray that today would be a day that they accept you. Today would be a day where they discover the relationship with you that sets them free. And just as we're in this place, I just ask you to close your eyes. If that's you today, you'd like to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You'd like to invite Jesus into your heart, into your life. Accept the truth that he came to give. You know, it says in this story that at the end of our life, He is the one that we will give an account to for our life. So maybe in this moment, you want to make a decision to follow Him, to live for Him, to have that redo, that start over, that being born again that I talked about. Maybe you've once made a decision to follow Him, but you know right now you're not following God, you're not in relationship with Him. Then maybe in this place, in this space, you want to recommit your life to God and just say, Yeah, that's me. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see. it. Just raise it up high. Say, yeah, I want to know who Jesus is. I want to live for him. I want to follow him. Thank you. I can see your hand. That's awesome. Is there anyone else that wants to raise their hand this morning and declare that they need Jesus? Declare that they want to change from death to life. They want to change from being lost to being found in him. Then raise your hand high. Our team just want to come and have a chat with you after the service, pray with you, help you encourage you in your decision this morning. It's never too late to come home to him. God, I thank you for that person that raised their hand this morning. Pray that as they are come back into relationship with you or begin a relationship with you, they would know your truth. They would know your love. They would know your acceptance, God. That you would walk with them and lead them and guide them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pray that this week you'll see the weed just a little bit differently. Have a great week, church. Thanks, Josh.